Captain's Log 821. This podcast was meant to fill a gap, and I thought I would be the one filling that gap. I never thought that so many people would come together to fill gaps within me. And it's been a beautiful thing. One of the things I really loved about it is we have talked about representation in our community a lot and seeing these black artists and black storytellers rise to greatness as of late has um, kind of taken me aback. So we started off with God Punch, who was <clears throat> on the podcast, and we did interviews with them early on, and Pat and Yen were everything and more. Then later on, we had followed up recently, very recently, with Constant Moon, Strange Keith, and Brandon, and the writer for their series that they were promoting after Image was Robert, and very bright, well put together, professional. And now I've come across another group, two young men, brothers, black, of course, and they have their own production studio, and they're also putting out a manga, a webtoon, a comic, and yeah, I was very happy to find out that they have a vision for what they're doing too, they're professional about it, and also they were very vulnerable and transparent about the process getting to this point. So I was excited today to do this episode, have this conversation, and talk to them about everything that's come from their journey till now, and since they're very new in the game, to see where they're going. Let's get into it. What's up, Supernovas, and welcome back to the Worst Generation Podcast, the exploratory anime and manga podcast. I'm your host, GB, and of course, we got a brand new episode this week. Uh, once again, still having those uh, scheduling lineup difficulties with the crew, so I will be the only member representing the Worst Gen Pod today, but I do have two guests with me. Uh, before I introduce my guest, I have a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, shout out to our new patron, the Dizumaki or D, as we call them. Uh, if any supernovas are familiar with the last episode that just dropped, we had D on the episode. They talked about voice acting. They talked about what it needs to eat as a character, and we also got into some random anime and got into our One Piece bag as well. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back. Listen to that episode, show D some love, hit up on Twitter at D, D's Mikey. And uh, uh, yeah, D, thank you again for joining the Patreon. We appreciate it. It's always love. Uh, other housekeeping things, if you haven't tuned in to Anime After Dark in a while, be sure to tune in to Anime After Dark every Wednesday, 9.30 CST. Uh, we've been doing great things over there. I'm really enjoying the growth and the community has come around that particular live podcast. And we just ended our spy family read. It didn't go over as great as I wanted to, but you know, most things don't really start off how you expected them to, and you got to keep working at that shit until it gets right. So, for the following month, we are going to be looking for you guys to tell us 
what type of series are you into? And we're going to figure out the best way to do this so everybody can stay engaged and we can stay up to par, up to date. Um, so when the episodes happen, we have things to talk about. That is it for, for the housekeeping items that I have. Uh, oh, last housekeeping item. If you are a member of the Patreon, make sure you go on the Patreon uh, check out our Toxic Boys episode they dropped and check out the Lost Tapes that are on there. The Toxic Boys episodes are only available to patrons who are capped level above. And the Lost Tapes are available to everyone who is on Patreon. So show us some love, check out, give me some feedback, know what you think about it. And uh, yeah, now that's it for the housekeeping items. Into the episode. Today we have two special guests. Uh, recently we've been on, uh, a sort of guest role, I guess, especially since I've been the only one, uh, representing the pod for a few of these episodes. And we've had a couple mangakas on the episode. So today we have, um, and I don't even know if they go by mangaka, they'll probably tell us during the episode, but today we have two brothers. Uh, they are the artist and writer duo for Dark Vulcan the comic series on Webtoon, the Webtoon series. And uh, they share the duties. It's not really clear who's the writer and who's the artist, but they share the duties. It's a beautiful thing to see brothers in action like that. And they're also the duo behind uh, Serbius, which is a uh, publisher, a production studio. So without further ado, I give you Keenan and Kadeem. Hold on, guys. My name is Kadeem. I go by the Optimist on all of my uh, uh, handles, uh, primarily on Twitter. But um, I am the the main artist, co-founder of um, uh, Service Productions, and artist for uh, Dark Vulcan uh, with my brother. Uh, yep, and my name is Keenan. I am uh, primarily the main writer on Dark Vulcan. Uh, I pretty much write up the the scripts for the book. Um, we do most of the the world building together, um, but I'm pretty much doing a lot of uh, pretty much the writing of the script, putting everything together. Uh, I go by uh, um, King Lemur on uh, Twitter, and uh, should be that also on IG. I'll double check on that, but. Um, I can be referred to as Keenan, King Lemur, Lee, you know, either one of those. But yeah, glad to be here. This is, uh, I was really excited about this one today. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, we were excited to have you on the pod. Um, King Lemur, I don't know if we've spoke before this point, but I know that I spoke to Optimus a few times. Uh, my earliest interaction that I can remember with Optimus was on Anime After Dark. I think you've pulled up a couple times to the live pod now, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I don't, well, sorry. I think he was talking about Keenan. I haven't pulled up to the, well, I pulled up to the, um, to the uh, pod on uh, clubhouse. I haven't, I don't think I've spoke. I think that was a uh, Leroy spoke last time on, on the pod. Leroy. Okay. And Leroy's I, helping with uh, writing with uh, Keenan. Okay, bet. Because I, I know the service was mentioned before and I know I've seen I know I've seen your, your Twitter name either on the clubhouse or on the hashtag at the very least, because I think that's how yeah. we made the first connection, right? Yeah, so, I think so. I'm I'm not sure because um I think there was I think the the time that I was getting ready to get pulled up there, I was 
trying to put the the child to sleep, my girl to sleep. So I was like, uh, I wasn't able to come up there. But I think the only person from Cerberus that actually spoke on there is Leroy so far. Okay. Uh, you were going to say something, Keenan? Oh, uh, yeah. I popped in for like just a couple of seconds. I think uh, I've been uh, uh, just extremely like distracted by other things lately. I've been trying to get this freaking household and just a lot of craziness going on. So just like a lot of social stuff has been just on the a little bit on the back burner for me as of recently, even after we released, but I'm uh, just trying to get some uh, just stuff out the way so we can just keep keep it pushing. But uh, I did pop in uh, for a couple of minutes to just kind of see what the vibes was and things like that. But yeah. Well, thank you for pulling up. We always appreciate when people pull up and 100% get it when, you know, life is in the way. Sometimes even, you know, for us and we have to do the pods and recordings and, you know, clubhouse every week. And some days it's like, man, where, like, where the fuck am I going to find the time to do all this stuff? I don't even know. Uh, like, I don't have my head on straight outside of this. And now I got to go on here and just, you know, be together, be collected, knock this out. And then I got to get back to the chaos that is life right now. So, you know, I totally feel if uh, you struggle making it out to episodes or whatever, because I too struggle making it out to episodes. I, I just got to be there because I'm hosting. Uh, hey, we, we spent yeah. we spent all of 2020 struggling to get our Man. heads straight. <laughs> it's, it's, it feel like it's still 2020 um, from time to time. I'm not even going. I'm not going to lie with you. Uh, so speaking of getting your head on straight, uh, one thing, one activity that I do to get my head on straight is I sit down and I read a lot. So um, I'm interested in what are you guys reading. Uh, What's been special to you lately? What are you watching? Like, what are you checking out? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, for me lately, as far as reading, um, a lot of my reading lately for the past maybe two, three years has been a lot of, uh, ironically, a lot of Western comics. I've been reading a lot of DC and indie comics lately, uh, just kind of branching out my perspective. I kind of got addicted to that little trip back in 2011 when they rebooted. Um, so I've just kind of been engrossed in that lately. Um, but as of like maybe as of like a few days ago, uh, I even just tweeted about it the other day. I um, decided with my wife, we were just, well, we decided together we were just going to go and uh, rewatch Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, that was, that's been on my to-do list for a long time because I've barely remember the anime and we just decided to sit down and watch it we've been kind of uh we've been getting through it for the past couple of days really really enjoying it so um other than that uh, it's been uh it's been a little quiet on uh reading outside of that and i've just been kind of taking my time to absorb a lot of different kinds of of media uh for perspective but just so much fun i'm i've been holding off as much as i've been uh hearing about uh catching up on my hero i've mm-hmm. been hearing about the news and the noise but i've just been like uh i'm gonna I'm wait a little bit longer to catch back up i want a lot of a lot of juice when i get back to it how far are you behind i think the last thing i read about was it was at the end of where was i it was just at the end of um, 
My Villain Academia arc? Nah, it was a little bit after that. A little bit after the villain arc. Oh, so you're not you're not super far behind. Yeah. Yeah, you up there. Um, you know, I've said on the pod before I, I watch or read, I'm sorry. I read my hero in and you know, bulk hits of twenty five chapters and I let it get away from me. I think I was up to eighty five chapters. The other day, I just binge read all those chapters, so I'm now current with my hero, and um, gotta say, really enjoyed the uh, the my villain arc, and really enjoyed the liberation, um, everything that came with the liberation arc that came after that. So, uh, I really fucked with it, and I'm excited to see <clears throat> see how these last chapters, these last arcs go. Funny side I tangent about um, it was the uh, watch. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, funny side tangent that I've had, I've had this big, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it, like a, a Mandela effect moment when it came to reading my hero. It was like 2019, I was reading the Liberation arc, and I think it was right before, or yeah, I think it was right before the um, class 1A, uh, the, the, the fight between the two classes. Mm-hmm. I vividly, vividly remember seeing, um, geez, her name passes me every time, uh, the acid girl. I never remember her name. Uh, Yes, I vividly remember her putting that L symbol up, showing... um, Oh, yeah. And and for the life of me... I swear she does... I, I had yeah, every every fiber in my being. Every fiber in my being, I thought she was a spy because she put that up, and I was just like, "No way!" And then, after I finished reading the Liberation Arc, and I wanted to to show people, I went back and I went through every cha- panel of every chapter, and I it couldn't find it. it. And I was just like, "Yo, this is wild." It was a lot of discourse back on that in 2019 too, because I remember it wasn't just uh, her character; it was also a uh, Kaminari that a lot of people were saying that and. He, he was in actuality the traitor because he threw up the L symbol or something. Um, I do think that there was one other character they brought up from class 1B, but it got exposed that whoever had like made that theory was um, photoshopping the pictures, like uh, altering the pictures to make it look like they was throwing up the L and that's what they was doing, um, you know, for clout, for clicks or whatever. And so uh, when that happened, it I didn't take any of the, any of the other theories seriously. And I just kept thinking, like, I guess if it comes out and one of them is actually a traitor or a spy, the mole, what have you, then at that point, then I know, like, okay, that one was real. It was right. I can go back and find the panels then and reread. But it, I never, ever saw that resurface after that. Because you remember it was, like, two months where that's yeah. all we, that's all the community talked about. Um, and I, I traditionally stay away from the My Hero community. I think it's the most toxic fan base uh, on the timeline and so i traditionally stay away but that was one conversation i was interested in and i just saw nothing else about it and so i definitely was thinking about that when i was just catching up last week and i was like man I, like who's the traitor who's the spy like what's going on uh and i didn't see any of the the classmates throw up the l i didn't see any of that so uh i was a little i was a little befuddled it was crazy that you brought that up just now <laughs> And uh, I was going to ask, uh, well, first, I got a statement that uh, Yu Yu is the first anime I ever watched with my lady <clears throat> that we watched together. And that's how I got her into anime. I've now got her uh, reading some select mangas and I brought her her first physical copy of a manga. 
and um, she's picked up some animes and watched them on her own now because I put her uh, more into like a lane of drama and some romantic comedies and stuff. So she's into mm-hmm. that shit, of course. Uh, so like, uh, shout out to you. I think you use a good joint anime to bring people in on. Like, it's not too much ass whooping, but like, Yusuke and the main cast just have personalities that uh, you can vibe with and you can just like chill with. It doesn't. It's not an overthink, but it's not too meathead. It's just like a nice little mm-hmm. vibe. So I, I felt like it was a good anime to bring her into. Plus, you know, she's into the spiritual shit. So I figured like ghost files and spirit world and all that will like hold her interest for a little bit, which it did. That was dope. And then, uh, uh, that's, that's a, that's, it's it's got an S tier intro and, uh, ending too. (laughs) It definitely does. Uh, she definitely fucked with the, the ending, the name of the ending slips me, but, uh, you know, it's sure to be like, uh, that tick tock tick. Yep. That's the, that's the part for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. That's her shit. Um, so yeah, she used to be singing like humming that at the ending, and then I was gonna ask you. So you said you said you really got into like DC and comics the after the 2011 rebrand. Uh, what mm-hmm. was like your childhood influence before 2011? Like, what was you doing before that? Uh, whew, before that, man, anything on Toonami and Adult Swim, just about. Uh, that's that's what we were raised on. Like, wow. Like and it is it's kind of wild because when I like when I'm talking to my wife about uh, uh, all the anime like all the like you know regular cartoons from back in the day I keep telling her like I don't know none of those Nickelodeon shows most of the time I don't know a lot of those Disney cartoons all we all we watched I, was Toonami it was Toonami that was it it was Toonami whatever was on there Dragon Ball Tenchi uh, Roni Kenshin uh, Gundam as 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 far as that list on Toonami goes, that's that's where our exposure really really was. That we were Zoids. just engrossed in it. So oh gosh, Zoids, uh, it, it was it was a lot. And then, um, prior to that, I think uh, getting closer to like 2011, I think around that time it was when I just finished watching Gurren Lagann and solidified that as one of my top five anime of all time. Uh, I think that was around the... Go ahead. Second? No, I was going to say, you got to talk to uh, Chris, to Carlito on this pod because Gurren Lagann is his his shit. Man, it's... it's, I love that. I love that anime to death. And it was weird. A lot of my friends uh, were telling me, oh, Keeney, you love Gurren Lagann. You're going to love Kill a Kill. I was just like... I looked at it. I looked at Kill a Kill, and I was just like, "I mean, I know it's by the same creator, and I'm and I love fan service as much as anybody else, but I, I can't get into it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. So yeah, I, I really then, fucked with Kill a Kill. I I I got down with Kill a Kill. I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the humor. Uh, the fan service was a little much at times. Like I was kind of like unnecessary, but. Uh, Really, I I fucked with it overall. It was it was my speed. No, it's dope, dope. And I think uh, what was the last? I think other than that, I spent most of my time, and and this might be the very reason that kind of drove me over to DC during the time I was in college. Every new issue of Naruto Shippuden that came out. While all of my friends and my buddies, we were out down in the cafe in college, we'd be <laughs> talking about it. And I'm literally telling them, 
everything that I predict is going to happen within the next five to 10 chapters. And absolutely. everything I said absolutely happened. I predicted Neji was going to die. I predicted uh, Naruto and Sasuke's fight was going to be kind of a little lame. And I, oh, my biggest prediction was Madara. I said they're not going to kill yeah. Madara because they're unable to. <laughs> and every nobody believed me. Everybody was just like, that doesn't make any sense. I said the only way to end this show after uh, after Madara canceled the reanimation, uh, whenever he canceled himself from getting sealed, I said there's no way for them to kill him or seal him. He's going to die of some unnatural cause, and he's probably not the main villain. And that happened exactly the way I <laughs> exactly the way I said it. So I was like, I think I'm I think I'm good on this for a minute, <laughs> and I just kind of took a break after that. So it, I think the next anime or manga I read was when, yeah, when My Hero came out. And that's what kind of got me back into watching everything. So My Hero, Doctor Stone. I still got to finish Doctor Stone. I'm way behind on that, but yeah. So you okay? You a new gen dude? Um, I watched Naruto as an adult. I didn't read it week to week. I didn't care uh, to watch the anime. Uh, not that I thought it was bogus or something. I just was never around when the shit was on. I would always mm. be like either walking in like midway through it or like at the end of it. So I just never got attached to it. Like it's never a big deal to me. It just never popped. And then this this girl that I was uh, dating. As an adult, she just kept hyping up Naruto. Like, you better watch Naruto. You ain't watching Naruto. Naruto was it. So I watched Naruto. And I will say, if you take all the filler out of it, um, please. It, it, if you if you take all the filler out of it, it was up there with One Piece for me. Like, I'm like, this is a really good ass story. The filler used to blow me because it takes you, it's not even good filler. It just takes you in a whole different direction than everything the, the story out. was doing. So, like, and then it would be long gaps of filler too that would just bother me. So like, um, I would yeah. t I would say a lot. Like, if you remove the filler from this, it's really good. Like, it's up there with One Piece, in my opinion. Uh, when it got to the final arc, I didn't know. I was with you. I didn't know how they was gonna beat. I call him Madara. Uh, hmm. I didn't know how they were gonna beat Madara in the final arc. I just kept thinking like, it's no way. Like. You gonna need some, you know, some some godly otherworldly power up for this to work, and I I don't know where that power is coming from. Like I didn't know if it was gonna be the original, um, the original two brothers was gonna come back from the afterlife and then and then whoop ass. I didn't know what was gonna happen. So um, when Kaguya came down, I was really blew away, and that like that dropped the whole series for me. I I kind of like mm -hmm. left Naruto just feeling let down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Madara was a huge disappointment to me because there's no way the series doesn't end with him. Like, the series is, is best ended with him. Like, we have to have right. a resolution with him. Uh, I do feel like Kishimoto wrote himself kind of to a corner and made, made his ass way too strong. And uh, either this was the only option, or mm -hmm. you know, the publisher was enough. like, What's up? Yeah, I was just about to say the Madara being the final villain at all was a hundred percent a publisher. Uh, yeah, the publisher is like, you know, we got to get this cash grab. We got to keep the hype going. Let's keep it open ending. Let's set it up for the next wave. Both of those options I hate. And uh, I really like lowered my overall opinion of the series. But if you remove the fourth, if you remove the ending. And I won't I won't even say the fourth grade Ninja War because it was good. Um, mm -hmm. If you remove the ending and how they uh, summed up the fourth grade Ninja War, 
then that shit's up there with One Piece for me. But they lost me mm-hmm. with that whole Kagosama space aliens. Uh, he he also wasn't the one pulling the strings. He was getting played like a puppet too. Just that whole. Uh, I yeah, I checked out for the final episodes, man. Man, Naruto for me, I think pre Shippuden for me is is pure great Naruto storytelling. After that, I just I was just along just to see how it ended. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, like, but I had just caught up on Shippuden this year because I was like, I've been well because Keenan was able to tell me everything that was going to happen before it happened. I was like, ain't no point in me trying to go and and watch this now. <laughs> I was like, it's done. Like he done predicted everything, but I was he on the same page. A weekly drop. Like, what you say? He was giving you the weekly drops. Uh, yeah, was, man. He's like he just been on. I was like. I was like, look, I'm not about to hype myself up. And then when he was talking about the dude, what was like, we like the dude behind the mask. It was everybody was like, no, it's it's Madar, it's Madar. I was like, that's Obito. I was like, that is literally Obito, and he had the most disappointing resolution to his story. Yes, and I, that's the, the why motive. I did, sorry, that's why I was like, I wasn't gonna watch it, but Dante kept telling me he was like, just just go ahead and watch it through, skip the filler, just that and the other. Which I did. I finally finished it, but I was just like. I really thought it was at points I was like, okay, it's gonna end after the pain arc. And then I was like, okay, so it's gonna end after this Madara thing. And I was like, what why are what is what is what's, <laughs> what's left? Like, what are we doing here? Like we, we just get dragging that bag, this along. fellas. What do you say? We gotta get that bag. We gotta get that money, yeah. fellas. This train is not yeah, but bro. yeah, like that's I, I I really enjoyed like Naruto pre Shippuden. And I like some bits and pieces of Shippuden, but like overall, like I can watch the first portion of Naruto like endlessly. I can watch mm-hmm. it. That's what's up. Uh, what about you, Optimus? Uh, what like what things you've been reading lately? What you've been watching? Because I, I want to come back to Naruto to segue into our main discussions. Okay, cool, cool. I mean, I, is it just outside of manga, or you just mean like it's just, it's whatever it's whatever has been influencing you lately, bro? Business. Business wise, I've I've been reading uh, a good company by Arthur Blank, uh, owner of the Falcons. Um, that's a really good book. Business wise, how to treat um, other people within business and you know make good decisions. Um, out, you know, outside of that, I've been I'm fully caught up on My Hero, which I I didn't think I would really enjoy reading it better than watching it, but after the last couple of seasons, I really just enjoy reading it. A whole lot better. Um, I have been catching up on Jujutsu Kaisen, and by Keenan, I was I went back and I was reading. I mean, watching on Yu Yu Hakusho, which I've been enjoying. But and also Attack on Titan. Like I I haven't like finished. I'm let's almost go. done with it. What you say? I said let's go fire. Man, I haven't like before. I was like just like watching it to watch it but now i'm like just like paying attention to everything and it is is like perfect like everything about it, i'm like man i need and i haven't even finished it yet i'm like somewhere in between season four or whatever but like it's like it's really just shot up my list like this is it's just dope i recently yeah, I went I... back and uh reread some chapters from early on uh just out of interest to see like what shit was like in the beginning and yeah, man, it, that's one series. It was gas, and I actually, 
I probably will reread the whole thing, not at one time, but like in sections. Yeah, I think I I think I got uh, as far as the the first season. A lot of what I read and watch uh, since like my wife, we both we both been into anime since we were kids. So a lot of what I'm watching, she's probably watching, or we end up watching together. I think we yeah, both we, just kind of tapped out of uh, Attack on Titan around the same time. So a lot of the stuff we we just have like a list of things we have not finished. Uh, but Attack on Titan is good. I, I saw all the the spoilers of how it ended, and I just laughed. <laughs> I just laughed about it. It was that's probably the best ending I could have thought of. Really, it it kind of caught me off guard. But I was like, I guess it makes sense. But um, yeah, I, it's on the list of things to finish uh, that long list, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's dope. Most definitely. Um, for the uh, one of the takes that was on this show was that uh, we felt that, or some of us felt that Attack on Titan was the best uh, short anime manga series that we had out, and we put it above Full Metal Alchemist. Some of us, uh, because mm. although Full Metal Alchemist was like a masterpiece, we loved it. We thought it was good. We didn't feel like it had high replay value. I've literally never once like felt compelled to want to go back and reread or rewatch anything from Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. And Attack on Titan has already got me back, like kind of rereading it, re-looking at it. And so that's why I just ranked lower. Um, I've only gone well, I won't say never once. I've gone back for professional reasons. Like if we had a pod to do and I need to brush up on something, I've gone back and looked at it for those reasons. But outside of that, I just I don't feel compelled to go back and look at it again. Uh, so we had ranked Attack on Titan higher than that. That's why, like, that's why, like, sometimes when I'm like really trying to figure out what's you know what's dope for me, like the things that I can like rewatch over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. those are things that like I I stick with. Like, I can't like watch even though Dragon Ball Z got me into like drawing and anime and stuff like that. I can go back and watch Dragon Ball over and over. I can yeah. go back and watch like my hero over and over, like the beginning, the first two, three seasons. I can go back and watch those like countless times. And yeah. like I feel like Attack on Titan is probably the same way because I'm I'm I feel like I'm gonna see something every time that I go back and watch it. And um Jujutsu Kaisen is like it's dope for me. But like some things, I, I I still feel like I gotta go back and and watch so I can like catch on to certain stuff. But and then what was it? Zoids, the Chaotic Century. Like I can, oh, I can watch it a thousand times over. So it's it's the ones the ones you really want to rank up there is the ones you can watch countless times. But yeah, definitely, um, Full Metal is dope as hell though. Yeah. Shot in the dark on on a on an anime I could watch over and over or watch all day. And it's probably not on a lot of people's list. Is definitely Detective Conan. Really? I I I kid you not. As much that's a as lot, that's a I lot was, of episodes to watch over and over, bro. <laughs> I'm a I'm a preface and say dub because I'm not because that's a that is a lot of episodes. But it, when I just remember back when I was younger and I was a little scared. I was scared of everything when I was younger. But for whatever reason, I would always be glued to Detective Conan when it came on. And I would just watch those episodes over and over and over and over and over again. Was Detective Conan supposed to be scary? 
technically now I understand it as a thriller, but you couldn't get me to watch a thriller back then. So uh, for me, that was like, that was just different. I, it was handled differently. I would, I think, especially like, uh, what was the episode? Moon Knight Sonata. I remember, if I remember an episode name, it hit me because <laughs> I was actually terrified <laughs> of that episode. It was the first two part episode. I was invested and I was just like, yo, okay, actually dig this show. It's actually pretty cool. Um, but man, it's up there. It's up there for me. Uh, if I if most of if most of those episodes were dubbed, I would literally just sit down and watch it. Um, uh, I can't it is, I can't watch sub like I used to. Uh, just because I'm multi yeah, just want to multi. I got a multitask and watch, so it's like I I can't just keep taking my eyes off to to read the subtitles. I don't know what's going on otherwise. So. Uh, I'm I'm a dub person uh, against the uh, popular demand. <laughs> um, Moon, Moon Knight Sonata was uh, was a fire episode. If I remember, that's when they was playing the music when when people was like it got real like spooky when people was dying, right? Yeah, on the ship. Um, yeah, on the ship. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that was it was so good, so good. For me, Conan was everything that uh, that Scooby Doo was to me, but like deeper and it was more challenging like and that's how i got mm. into conan to me early on conan was like a better scooby-doo i enjoy scooby-doo and my dad when i was younger had me watching scooby-doo but i used to guess who it was like really easy and mm-hmm. conan used to challenge the fuck out of me like i'd be like oh it's this guy they'd be like oh it's this random ass nigga that was right in front of you the whole time but like <laughs> you really didn't know and i'd be like man this is rough I'm- like i i can't get anything right on right on conan the, the motive to catch you off guard. They break down crying, emotional. It, it, they hit you with the feelings every time. They just be like, oh, you know that reminded me of that. Remind uh, just you saying that, how you trying to like guess who the, who the guy is. I was just like, it reminded me of, like, I've been, well, I, I've been telling Keenan to watch it, but he ain't gonna watch it. <laughs> I'm gonna like, watch it. Do you it not was, hear my pull list right, right you know, now? <laughs> I was telling him to watch Breaking Bad because of how like how dope it is. I was just I've been trying to watch like different stuff for like cinematic reasons and just storytelling reasons. But Breaking Bad was like I can watch that like over and over and over again. So that was another thing. And like usually I can like Keenan, like I can kind of guess what's happening next. But when I was watching, I was like, I can't even I don't even know where they're going. Like half the time I'm like, I just got to turn it back on. And then you see little, you know, tidbits here and there in the storytelling. It's just crazy. Fucking crazy, man. Um, <clears throat> but that's one of the things that gets me about good writing when it's fresh and it's not predictable. And mm-hmm. it's uh it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. find yourself guessing and when you think you know, you get a good plot twist and you know, boom, something else is kind of happening. And that's what really makes everything kind of tick for me as the reader. And I think for most readers, when it, when it goes on, uh, we talked about Naruto earlier and Naruto is for many of the, we're going to call them new gen anime fans. Uh, you know, people that have come in, whether they're younger or they're newer to the industry as a whole. Uh, Naruto has been an anime that we found has been most people's first exposure mm-hmm. to anime and manga. And it's oftentimes compared to anime and manga that 
it may be similar to or it may not. So, for instance, I've seen it compared to Black Clover. I've seen it compared to My Hero. I've even seen someone try to compare it to Fire Force. I've seen it compared to uh, to uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm-hmm. So they bring up Naruto um, in comparison of these works. And since we have both of you guys here on the pod today, the conversation that I would like to get into um, for you both that you have uh, Serbius and you're going to be you know, producing works of, of fiction from there. And you have, you know, Dark Vulcan that you're already producing. I want to get into how are you making or either A, giving fresh spins on tropes, on old tropes, or how are you creating your new tropes and kind of new character lines and and new mm-hmm. storylines that are that are separating you guys from the pack? Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. I was gonna say, like you, you talking to the mastermind over there because he done, <laughs> he done figured out a whole system. So I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna let him uh, talk his magic over here. What you uh, do? You got a, you got a dartboard? Uh, if you if you want to call it a dartboard, um, for me, a lot of, and and the context of me getting into DC and and uh, some indie comics in the West and uh, and all that it. All of that goes into play for my writing for uh, Dark Vulcan. And just to be completely honest, because of just kind of where I've gotten to, some typical anime tropes just don't click with me like they did when I was younger. Um, just just general, um, even general anime humor doesn't hit to me the same that it used to be. Or, or manga in general. So a lot of where we wanted to go with Dark Vulcan and honestly, our entire Cerberus universe, because Dark Vulcan's just the first one. Dark Vulcan's the brain baby we've had since middle school. So that was priority to release first. But our plans in general is to make a universe of different IPs. So to to kind of give context, Dark uh, our universe is is supposed to give that anime uh, and manga inspiration because that's where a lot of our roots are but it's it we I wanted to have a more grounded feeling in a lot of uh, a lot of our Western culture as well so in the same vein that we can have a uh, a dark Vulcan comic that reads like a manga or and well closest to a manga, will have the influences and the way that the story is told could be more like a a DC Marvel comic where it's continuous and that could just be how a different IP plays out. So I guess to give context on my process, I don't, uh, I try my hardest not to derive a lot of my ideas from other anime or other any other uh i guess what's the best way to put it any other type of content that i'm consuming um or if i feel like i'm leaning too much in one direction i i don't i don't give myself a restriction of what can and cannot happen i don't like to creatively blockade myself in that in that mess because I think that's kind of where you get that issue in in Naruto, where you kind of write yourself into a circle or mm-hmm. write yourself into a rut. 
I don't like to, and because I like, like you said, I've seen the the comparisons. Honestly, uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of my friends, when we were talking Naruto, a lot of the conversation was that it was being compared. It was being compared to a lot of these other shows, but for our generation, that was Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z was the show that everybody was comparing Naruto to, because mm-hmm. Dragon Ball was that show for us, and then. Back in that day, Dragon Ball was being referenced back to, um, oh gosh, uh, Astro Boy. Like it's a it's a running circle for shonen manga because they all have to kind of have that same trope, those same character archetypes. The main mm-hmm. character, the rival. Like we can all we can all see the references from like Naruto and Dragon Ball even in just the colors of what the characters are wearing, their attitudes towards each other, their motives will change. You're like, their motives are different, but the, you can see the influence with I Dark Vogel. Battle, I hmm? think, I'm sorry so, to cut you off. I think for Battle Shonen, uh, for Battle Shonen, those, it does stay the same, but Shonen has a whole, cause even when I was younger, I start dipping off into non-Battle Shonen and found other mm-hmm. titles and the character archetypes and stuff were different. Uh, so I think for mm-hmm. Shonen as a whole, it didn't exist everywhere, but definitely when it comes to Battle Shonen, it has to have that air. Uh, one thing about Shonen is it has to have the optimism. And the way you do that in Battle Shonen is with those tried and true MCs that just, you know, beat their head up against the wall, get a little bit of plot armor, and like, boom, they mm-hmm. make it through the through the, through the struggle. Uh, it's funny that Naruto is often compared to DBZ, uh, at the end, because early on, I looked at Naruto like closer to Hunter Hunter, especially when they start breaking down chakra and all like the details that went into that kind of power system. Um, mm-hmm. And then Kishimoto did away with all that shit, you know. <laughs> Clay, it just yeah, became, just, it just became mine's bigger, mine's bigger than yours. Uh, we went left field, but at the time being, I, I was thinking it was going to be a little bit more complex, like closer to a, a Hunter Hunter's power system, and it, the the battles was going to like really emphasize that but they didn't and then um i'm gonna let you get back into your bag bro i just i just mm-hmm. throw that in oh no no you're good you're good it's a it's a really good point um a lot of if i if i had to include uh different types of content as my inspiration in how i do my rulings for characters or arcs or development in general uh i would say that i do my best to mix up different just genre in general um whereas if i want something to have if i wanted to have that manga feel because dark vulcan because it was the original original first adaptation of dark vulcan was a dragon ball z ripoff and what six 2006 an absolute dragon ball z ripoff and eventually as we grew we knew we had to depart from that but as I was writing the script and <laughs> and Kip will tell you, I rewrote the script maybe four or five times because I, I kept saying it, it don't feel like Dark Vulcan. It didn't feel right. Um, because there was just, it, it, it didn't have that same attitude or that same origin that we had. Uh, a lot of, so for instance, if I had to say references, I'm sorry, I got off, I got off topic. So references, for instance, I would say that in the same way that if you read uh, DC or Marvel comics, 
a lot of their interactions is not necessarily who's the hero, who's the villain, or who's, it's really the protagonist and the antagonist. And both of those can be heroes. Mm -hmm. It's just their goals cross at this current time. And I really want the story to more so, for Dark Vulcan at least, revolve around the fact that everyone has their own goals. And depending on, and, and, it's, and it's something of a life lesson that, that I learned over time is that be, depending on where you live or the, depending on how you grew up, where you grew up from, the perspectives you got, you're gonna see the world entirely differently than the next person. You can feel like you're, the main, the main hero can see their world, they can see their goal as I need to defeat this villain because they are destroying the world and I don't like that. So I need to defeat them. The simple, simple A and B, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's the fact that if like, let's say for instance, ending, ending war, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if your idea to end war is by fighting to end the war, you are literally falling in the same circle. You're just, continuously influencing the circle and so you want to have different uh characters and influencers around the heroes to give them that feeling like in in dark vulcan like i'll just give the examples of the characters i'm uh so kamau himself right mm -hmm. he's the prince of vulcan the three the trio they are the last known vulcan survivors along with alloy their perspective they've never lived in a an, in an actual civilization full of people before the only one of them who has is alloy their caretaker so what happens when they finally do go into society with people where there are rules and and everyone has a different perspective and you have these vulcans who have the opportunity to think freely outside of what societal norms and restrictions, because you realize we grow up with these restrictions. We grow up, we're told what to believe. We're told we're what to do. Exactly. We're conditioned. And so you bring in these free thinkers into a city or a nation or wherever, and they start breaking those conditions in people's minds. So that's kind of the 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 initial kickoff for Dark Vulcan. Like right now, issue one is kind of how we start to. I, I kind of just gave context as to what happened to how we're getting there, but we're getting we're literally going to get straight into it, um, moving into issue two and three of them being in the city and just starting to learn about life. So when it comes to the way most anime do it or most or DC Marvel do it, I kind of pick and choose what things to blend together so that it can be its own thing. Um, I don't want it to feel like just a manga or I don't want it to feel like just a Western comic. I want it to really have its own energy about it. And I want all the comics to have their own energy about it. Dark Vulcan is the start, but it's it's really a genuine universe. And that's why the story, I think that's why the storytelling is going to feel really different 
I don't think about Dark Vulcan alone as its own entity. I think about the entire universe, the entire world collectively. So I don't like to treat individual characters as the protagonists and the side characters. I like to think of everybody as a main character because eventually I want to be able to write a full solo comic of a side character that everybody loves because I wanted that for Rock Lee. I (laughs) so badly wanted a Rock Lee solo comic because he was so much more interesting to me than Naruto just off of the Gara fight. He was just so much more compelling. I wanted a Shikamaru solo comic, and I felt like that might have been the only slice of life that I would have sat through and just enjoyed the mm-hmm. whole way through. I feel like Shikamaru knows my life. I feel that. I feel that. Shikamaru is hella dope. Uh, That's what yes. I was going to say was that the fact that, you know, and I guess he was leading into it, but a lot of the characters mm-hmm. that show up in Dark Vulcan are going to have their own separate, you know, IPs. And that's why the most important thing to Keenan was he wanted to make sure every character was important and that they weren't like, you know, the side character. It would almost be like having, you know, like we talked about, like your own, like Justice League where all of these characters Mm -hmm. in 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 this comic has their own story. They have their own books out or whatever. And the whole universe is really connected. We're just using Dark Woken to introduce you know, these characters and a lot of these characters will, you know, they'll what show up for a panel or, you know, show up on a certain arc or whatever. But a lot of the we have like what, like probably like five, six or seven, you know, stories of like characters that will peek their, you know, head into Dark Vulcan, but they have their own stories. We just decided to go with Dark Vulcan first. I, uh, when you said that it was a when you said that it was a Dragon Ball Z ripoff when you first started, I was smiling from ear to ear because the when when I first looked at the art for Dark Vulcan, that was my initial thought like the eyes, the the stance, the hair of um, I don't know the twins' names apart. I don't know who's who. Um, uh, Leon and Klaus. Leon yeah, but I think Klaus hair. has his hair down. Uh, that's Leon. Leon. Okay, Leon has his hair down and Klaus has the hair up. So the hair of Klaus, um, the eyes, the glare, and just the overall, like the attitude, and even the character designs, like the outfits, was really like giving me um, uh, Saiyan armor, especially Leon's. And so my my vibe was like, oh, this is like DBZ inspired was my first thought. And then when I started reading it, I was like, okay, maybe not like totally DBZ inspired, maybe like a little bit more Naruto or something. As I read through it, like I thought other things. Um, it's funny to see like the inspiration in there and in a time where um and this is no shade to you guys and so don't take this the wrong way in a time where a lot of people are taking um like if you look at hollywood and you even look at content creators on twitter where we're just taking old stories and putting uh black mm. skin on it and we've just got mm. like wonder years and we put uh black people in wonder years um you know set in the 60s it mm-hmm makes me wonder for you guys like how how do you plan on putting you know adding that cultural spin to um your inspirations like what are some tropes that you want to put a fresh cultural take on or have a new a new way of going about it and i and i really think the avenue is open for you because you know you're talking about making a multiverse which is not like um or maybe not yeah you're making a universe so it's not the same as 
we get in most manga or anime series, and you know, as far as popular ones is out, I think that my hero could pull that off if uh, Horikoshi really wants to go that route. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not a thing we really get on, you know, the anime manga side of things. So you have the avenue where you can put old tropes, multiple old tropes in a story, but really flesh them out in the different IPs you plan on dropping and putting, you know, different cultural spins on there. Do you have like any ideas up front on how you want to do that or like the kind of the route you want to take into doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So just as a as a reference, I do I do world building before I even start touching a, a story, a character, or anything else to that nature. I will I will flesh out the the area, the place before I flesh out the people. And world, one world thing building, then world building then character then story. So it's world building, uh and in world building that just means I'm just throwing ideas on a paper, whether they connect or not. I'm just throwing out ideas, what I want to see in it. Then I create the rule, the written and unwritten rules of that place. And then Uh, I start doing people, place, and things. And from there, I can do events. What about you, Optimus? Well, a lot of times, because of, I guess, the way that that I function in my head, like, um, when we, so I'll go back. So in 2016, it was, it was events that took place that made me get back into drawing. Cause I had a three year hiatus after art, art school or whatever. And I think it was the Trayvon Martin thing that really got me like in back into just trying to tell my own stories. Mm-hmm. So with me, it was more so the, the characters because I wanted to focus on, you know, mindset a character his vision this that and the other and then i went to okay so what is the world's going to be about around them and a lot of excuse me and then what i did was i decided well because i know how detailed uh keenan is when it comes to um storytelling I, i what i did was i created an outline of a bunch of events that i would like for to happen for this character and i gave it to him and he decided he was going to go with building the world around that character. And he just brought Dark Woken into life, literally, because I'm not as detailed oriented. I can create an idea and, you know, I can outline a lot of events that I want to happen. But Keenan is more so the world builder when it comes to writing and, you know, just putting all the loose ends together. Ben, and um, I didn't and the last... Uh, I didn't mean to put y'all on the spot. We just we did an episode two episodes ago, um, the art of storytelling with Concept Moon, and on that episode, they gave the order in which they write. Uh, whether it's like you know, uh, build the world, then the characters, then write the story, or if I write out the plot lines first and then I make a world and characters, whatever. And one of the things that Brandon on the episode said was that, um, you know, when he starts stories and they and he starts with the characters first and tries to make it like a character driven story. They never really work out well for him. So I was just interested in seeing how you guys do it. But uh back to you, King Lemur. Uh you were saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um the the other rule that I, the number one rule I gave myself is I looked at the world and how it exists today. And I there's when you go from one country to another country, 
it's a, a lot of, for a lot of people, especially when you're, uh, your first time going there, I'm assuming I ain't been out the country before, but just looking at other countries and just knowing the, the type of rules that other people go through, it's a, it's, it's like being literally in a whole new world. It's like being in an entirely different place from where you are. Sometimes you can experience that going from state to state in the U.S. It's, it's an entirely different culture sometimes. Mm. And so one of my first rules after I established, I, I went as far as establishing how the universe was created. I have all types of mythology uh, stuff written down and stuff that we may get into within coming years. But that stuff's set to the side because whereas, for instance, Dark Vulcan has this like Dragon Ball feel right now, the the next IP or two stories or whatever from now, there there's a place like maybe across the sea that's developed all the way up into a like a cyberpunk type era. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if the the cultures haven't met before, you just don't know how far advanced people have become. So the stories can have the different type of stories you can get with the servers universe will vary. And because they're all interconnected, some things will change. People will die. I'm not a fan of reviving characters. Sorry if they're dead. Chances are they're dead. I'm not gonna <laughs> I don't I I like the and 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 not to get into too much personal stuff, uh before finishing the script my concept of death was very very uh it was different i didn't i didn't really have the full perspective and that's where that final page in the book came from is that when um in 2020 uh when we lost our mom that's when the reality of death really really set in for me And for a few of the characters that I was having trouble really, really writing, it, it, it all really hit me. Yeah. It was just like death shouldn't be just something that's played around with and, and just like, Oh, people just come back together. I want the feeling of death to mean something in the story. And I don't, I don't believe in a character story going on forever, like DC and Marvel if it's if if it's if their story's coming to an end, it's, it's coming to an end, and I think it's important for people to be able to accept that a story has come to an end, no matter how much they demand the writer reverse it or it sucks or it was terrible. Yo, Neji's story ended. It sucked the way it did, but it, he's dead, bro. You know what I mean? He, he it happens, but it it's something that really, really hit me. And I, I'm really hoping, uh, especially for the character that I'm writing that experience from, because for me, I think writing definitely comes a lot from your own experiences. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You can really only write from your own experiences. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about writing. I think, I hope that it, it, it comes through perfect, like, like the way that I want it to. Um, but death and the ramifications of of death, the effects of it, it I want it to really mean something in this universe. Um, stories ending, people, uh, just 
relationships with people uh, probably have been one of the most interesting things for me growing up. Just being a silent person. I was a silent kid. I just kind of watched everybody more than interacted with them, especially if they were strangers. I just watched people. And being able to just kind of relay the things that I've observed out of people and kind of put that on paper. I will, you know, one thing I'll admit, (laughs) sorry, I know I'm talking a lot, but one thing I would like to admit about writing is, and especially my biggest nerves about uh, issue one of Dark Vulcan, uh, and with it being my first thing writing, I I was completely nervous about dialogue. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I feel like dialogue is one of those, I, if I had to give myself stats, I wouldn't believe that my dialogue's that fresh yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too stressed about it like I used to be, but dialogue is one of those things that is harder for me. And that's why I'm not a fool just solo writing it because being the silent person and I'm not a people person like that all the time. I don't, I don't usually just socialize for the sake of socializing. So dialogue yeah. is kind of diff- difficult for me, but we'll, we'll get past that hurdle. But I just, I, I love this universe so much, man. Sorry. Go ahead. I think the, I think the death is, um, you know, I've lost a parent too, um, at a, at a very young age. And that has, influenced my entire outlook on life and Mm. one thing about writers is i normally don't read from writers that haven't had an experienced life i find that you know writers that haven't done much or haven't experienced much they don't tend to write works that appeal to me uh Mm. or at least i struggle with it and most of the writers that really like stick with me, stick with me. I find out that like, oh, they travel a lot. They force themselves to do new things. They have um, allowed themselves to feel the pain, the joy, and the, the other emotions that come with being alive. And so, so those are the things that really stick with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as far as uh, things with your mother and then how that influences your writing, I think that's a beautiful thing is to like let your life experience talk through what you have in the story. And I think it'll only improve the story. Uh, mm. This is not a space for me to criticize your work. I guess that will come on a different episode because that's not what we're doing here. Um, but I do think that like having having those experiences stuff will only make your work better. I think that you guys have like, what you have is a first chapter. And with all things that we create, all things that are art, you start off with something and it has like those embers of light in it, but rarely are things like a hit from the start, you know, like are they mm. perfect? From the start is the word I'm looking for. And, you know, things will never be perfect, but, like, is it the GOAT from the start? That's a very rare thing to have. So, like, Mm -hmm. you see the embers in the story early on. Uh, I like the attitudes of the characters. That's one thing. Like, I feel like you you have a picture in your head of who the character is going to be. And even though the dialogue is not the strongest, as you said, um, me knowing the attitudes of the character, I can kind of, like, read between the lines and, and have an idea how these interactions will go in later chapters, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's important. Um, you might not always have like the fine tuned skills, but can you express yourself and can you impart something to me, even if the technicals aren't on a high level? Uh, that's what's important to me when I'm checking out a new story. So, I mean, give yourself some credit for that because I can understand like where the characters are coming for coming from. I can kind of understand their roles, they make sense, and I can understand where things are going to kind of go, even if other parts of the story don't quite make sense to me or things don't stack up. 
And that's like the best part because that's enough to make somebody pick up the second chapter at least. And then that's another chance for you to get better at what you're doing and rehook them in. That's the that's the yeah, best man. thing about all this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want people to feel like they and especially on social, I, I don't want people to feel like they can't like uh, can't criticize the book, can't criticize the, the dialogue. I'm, I'm, uh, me even recognizing that the dialogue is an issue. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I need to know what's the problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, especially like I'm a, I'm a very, um, fix it kind of person. I, I need to know what's the problem so that, so that I can fix it if I can. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely open to, to criticism, uh, the cr- constructive kind, cause I know how, um, how much of a cesspool Twitter can get into, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm open to it, man. It's it was all a a process in the dark, to be honest. And so, gen- honestly, I was expecting <laughs> I was expecting the worst to be for real. So I'll, I'm I'm really grateful for everybody's uh, everybody's reactions, everybody's uh, support for the book. So I'm I'm at the point where I'm just like I I I'm, I now want to know. Like, I'm at that point where I want to know. I want people to be able to just let me know up front. I get you. I get you guys like it, but I won't, I haven't seen like a critique critique of the book yet, which is interesting. But um, uh, I guess we'll get there when we get there. I, I'm just uh, appreciating the ride. I'm just kind of learning. I, I'll give you one of your DMs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, bro, I got I, you. I would definitely appreciate that. Um. I mean, I I could give. I well, I don't have all my thoughts figured out because I would have. I want. I would want to write it down. Um, I didn't plan to give a critique on this episode, and I don't think that's fair to you. No, no, it's all good, man. Uh, in your own time, like critiques, uh, generally, it, you, to know what you want to say, you just gotta kind of review it. So it's all good. I'm not yeah. not tripping too much on that, but yeah. Uh, and then um. I think we got we got into the series and everything oh so i want to talk about so you guys talked about having a universe i know you guys are doing the productions um you know what like what's the what's the five-year look for serbius like are you guys going to be doing animation are you going to have like five series out will they all be running simultaneously or will you like complete one and then drop the next ip after that do you do you guys kind of have a vision for where you guys are taking the the business uh, yeah, so you want to go? I, I talked a lot. No, go ahead because you know you know the 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 timeline. Um. So yeah, I I take a lot of my inspiration from just a lot of different ways that I've seen uh, universes uh, compiled together, or how the universes came together, whether it be um, Marvel's cinematic universe, DC's TV universe. Um, I don't. There's no set in stone uh, version of so we finished Dark Vulcan and then we released one more book. I don't because I'm so used to that that DC uh, reading style where I I probably pick up maybe 40, 50, 60 bucks worth of comics every two weeks. So and that's to keep up. You know what I mean? I, I try and keep up with all my favorite books. And that's just kind of the the environment I'm used to. I'm I'm used to having uh, maybe two stories going on at the same time, and if their stories intertwine, 
than they do. It's just going to be written in a way where it does. But the way I like the way I would like to introduce those new stories is somewhere uh, along the lines of I don't know if anybody watched uh, the Arrow TV show Rip to that. But the way that they spin uh, did the spinoff into the Flash was kind of interesting to me is that they picked two episodes in the season to introduce Barry Allen as the Flash. Well, Barry Allen as his as Barry Allen, but it segued uh, at the end and teased that he was the Flash. And then the following year, we got the spinoff series of the Flash. So that's what um, my brother was mentioning earlier. As you'll see these characters, you'll see them in panels, you'll see them in arcs and, and things of that nature. And next thing you know, you might get a book of that character. Um, and that could be while Dark Vulcan still going on. Just it, it depends, but especially for as as far as the separate IPs, um, they'll just kind of flow as the story goes, really. Um, we do have plans to eventually move into animation that man that is a that is a goal in and of itself uh just being an just being an animation major and just knowing what goes into that that that's a that's a it's a tall order it's a tall order to get it done um at first we was going to start with animation and skip the comic and just go with animating dark woken but, but obviously that was gonna be like you said, like a tall task. But yeah, to be hard, to be honest, I think that would be the harder route for you guys to start mm -hmm. with the animation because um um we also talked about that in another episode with uh Johnny O'Brien from uh North Caesar. And oh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh we were talking about, you know, when it comes to our community and our culture, you know, one of the problems that we have is like we don't check shit out unless it's got that stamp on it like it has to have the stamp so the example that he used was you know boondocks went crazy um you know cartoon network adult swim it's on tv like we checking it out it's got that stamp it's something that's like supposed to be there but if boondocks was on facebook watch would it have gotten the same reaction from the black community or would it have you know been a sect of people that looked down on it kind of like well, it's just some facebook watch like corny ass uh we're gonna watch that you know like <laughs> yeah, who watching that. Bro? who watching that so yeah. you um, know i feel like i feel like things like animation right now uh on the on the harder side of things for us to do as black people that are like breaking into this industry more mm -hmm. as independence more often um because you guys right now whether you whether people want to admit it or not you're in a space that like you guys are kind of on the forefront of things we haven't traditionally been represented or had like our people in this industry like really pushing, pushing heavy. And the wave right now is at the largest it's ever been. Um, mm -hmm. And so there are multiple indie uh, comic writers, mangakas. Um, you know, we got animation studios that are over in Japan and here at home. And we got more and more that's building into the wave. And so like eventually that's going to have to be accepted and people going to have to recognize for what it is and all of the stories that are out right now would have been the stories that define this wave, would have been the stories that kind of led us into the new era of having our things on the main stands for you walking mm -hmm. in a comic book shop and, you know, our things are on the front rack as a feature yeah. for the week. So uh, you guys are in a very special place right now. And I think you having the, the written or digital, 
however you whatever you call it um the digital written version of uh Vulcan is gonna be you know a, a asset for you guys to have the animation would have been difficult because people would have been like eh, it's just another YouTube series yeah um, and you know it might not have. I think it's I think it's um I think it I fall in kind of that middle ground where I feel like it can be done. Um, of course, of the, the execution definitely matters. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at like um, anime, like uh, what was it, Ruby? Uh, Ruby just started off just like just just a regular animation that was on. What was it on? Uh, was it YouTube? I can't remember what platform, but it was it was just doing its own thing. And eventually, like as it grew, it got picked up by I think DC and whatnot. But it, it's not an, an impossible task. But I think one thing that is very difficult right now, just as far as like you said, with the with the community, is that uh, that stamp of approval that it can't be good if it didn't get you know piloted or picked up or anything like that. Yeah, and that's such a irritating, bro. It, it, it is. And I think the the thing is what I ended up liking so much uh, about when I started reading uh, DC comics and just indie comics in general, uh, as far as the Western side goes. And this goes into just the differences in manga and DC and Western comics in general. The support system is very, very, very different because for Western comics, you can be reading your favorite story by your favorite writer and favorite artist. And if nobody else is picking that up, boy, that's done. It, it's canceled. So a lot of the fans already have this understanding that if I don't pick up this comic and buy it with my money, it's going to end. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to get to read it anymore. That was like a culture shock for me when I first got into it. And... Mm -hmm. It's it's something that I feel like in manga goes unappreciated because at the end of the day, those books are going to keep going for the most part. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not often that a manga kind of just gets cut straight in the middle of the story. And so I feel like if there's more ways to incentivize the fans or just the community itself that the indie community is really like worth picking up worth spending the money on because the only way we can grow is by as a as a community as a just as a genre as an industry uh we need that support and that's why i'm i'm just hella grateful for everybody that did pick up dark vulcan because i kid you not we weren't expecting as many people to just kind of be hype about it like the like the way that we received that it was received the time and, was crazy on Twitter. I, I ain't even gonna lie. I didn't even I didn't expect it myself neither. And and yeah, and it it's it's great and it's something that needs to be shared amongst everyone in the community, but I feel like there has to be more um incentive to keep people like, yeah, this is this is worth putting my money into. Uh and whether or not we know what those incentives are, whether it be constructing conventions to uh, to get people to, you know, invest and come in, and like I think it's I think it's generally a a community effort for everybody to come together and make that happen, because 
in a lot of ways, everybody's kind of, and I won't say working separately, but it's, it's going to, like they say, it's going to take the whole village to get it done. Uh, Supporting everybody's work. As long as it's, you know, quality work is quality work. It takes our content creators, you know, up in the work, uh, giving legit critiques. It takes the um, the artists, the creators of the animations, the series, the the publications, whatever have you, uh, taking those critiques, uh, not taking them too serious, but taking them serious enough to where like they improve themselves. It's gonna take the quality being there. It's gonna take us funding mm-hmm. ourselves, putting the money into it. Like it takes the whole village, uh, you know, and it's gonna take. It's gonna take us pushing each other. I think one of the aspects I really love about um, this content creation, specifically podcasting, so far is, uh, you know, through Blender May Podcast and Mike Check Waifu. Like I have other podcasts I look at as like um, not just you know professional friends, but like also as rivals. Like I hear that mm-hmm. podcast sounds good. Now I hear this gets better, so it makes me want to improve mm-hmm. things. It makes me want to work on my hosting and work on. Uh, you know, the things that I can work on. And when I have more money, then I need to go out and get better equipment so I can up my quality and uh, mm-hmm. put new parts in my PC so I can up to stream and better video, things like that. So I think that competition is a big aspect too for you to, for you to network and build that community with others in your space and, you know, have that competition, which also causes inspiration and innovation. We need all that. Um, yeah. We need the whole community. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we close out this pod. So you guys dropped issue one of Dark Vulcan. Um, the title was Dog Tags. You dropped that on September 11th, 2021. First question is, was that like a, you you knew, um, you know, September 11th is like uh, what it is, 9-11 for <laughs> airplanes yeah. crashing into the Twin Towers and stuff. Did that have anything to do with that? Or that's just the date that y'all picked, not even related? Yo. That is the wildest story. Uh, so, <laughs> as I mentioned, I was I was I was in a in a whole anxiety attack about releasing the book. And the original date was we were going to shoot for the end of basically around now. Uh, yeah, originally so the the original date was September thirtieth, and Keenan was being scared to release the book, and I'm like, bro, I wanted gonna- to review the book. No, we. Look, no, we don't even I don't even have my book yet. That's that's how that's how this release went. I don't even have my book yet. We no, it was like, literally honestly, the whole thing was jacked up because like I'm just now getting the proofs I ordered way before the book was even put out. Like I was just now getting the proofs like a day ago. Everybody done had their books for like weeks now. And the thing my thing was and people may agree, people may not agree. But the only way that we was going to be able to, you know, really, you know, move forward. I was like, look, bro, we've been, folks been waiting on Dark Vulcan since we announced that we was working on it back in, you know, 2016. Like stuff started heating up in like 2018 or whatever. But like people was really looking for it, like at the beginning of 2020. I mean, beginning of this year. And so I was like. Why are we going to make them wait another, you know, 15, 18 days to to see the book? And it's right here. I was like, there's going to be mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. But they want to we want to try and get people introduced to the story. Folks are everybody was freaking, you know, liking and retweeting and stuff like that. I'm like, why why are we making them wait? 
Mm-hmm. And in that vein, and Keenan will be like overly critical, and I didn't want him to get the proofs and be like, "No, we messed this up." So we got to back. <laughs> we started all over. I was gonna do it, dog. I was gonna do it. I was gonna do it. I was gonna. I was gonna be like, "Look, nope that that didn't come out right. Let's let's print it out again." I was ready um, to do it. Even and if that, you didn't agree with me, I was gonna put the book out in midnight while you were asleep or something. Like it was gonna and, out. I didn't the the best part about it, and I think that's uh, to be to it's it's a funny story because we did then we was just like okay let's go for the seventeenth and we agreed on that for a minute and at a at a certain point I was just like at this point I kind of don't care like that was just me mentally just going through it. I kind of don't care when it gets released and then it, it, the suddenly the question just came up bro let's just let's just let's just release it today and i said you know what bro just do it I don't, let's just, just do it you're right let's just do it and i think the the beautiful thing about it is i know that i get overcritical about my work i had to accept that i can't get better if it's not released cuz we had that conversation before we we would sit there for like 3 days i, I kid you not he he texted me every day about the about everything and I remember last year, I don't, I can't count how many times we went over what the release plan was. And this was last year. And I remember I got to a point where I was just like, if we don't just release it, we can't figure out what works. So exactly. release it when we release it and it'll, and we, you know, and we'll figure it out from there because if we keep trying to plan it, we're just going to plan in circles because we don't know if the last plan even worked in the first place. And I mm-hmm. remember saying that, and I, that's why when he said, let's just release it today, I said, just release it. And then, <laughs> then I got on the computer. I was just like, oh, snap, it's not a, oh, well, whatever. It is. Too late it now. Is. <laughs> the funny thing is, is the reason why I reacted that way is because I don't know if it was last year or not, but I was well into the pages of Dark Vulcan. And mm. this dude was just like, I'm scrapping the whole script and I'm starting all the way over. And I'm just like, what? Yep. And I don't He's regret that decision. I'm sorry, but I don't regret that decision. Like, granted, the pages that that I drew up, they're still relevant, but like I'm my art's has grown since last year so it's not really going to be good to put out like like now but and it's still the story is still going to be in the story but like he added a lot more sauce like granted i'm glad he did go and redo the script because it's so much better than the last one it explains everything it's well written but i was like we are not scrapping nothing else we're putting the book out like we're not going backwards like this today's the day i don't care what today is today mm-hmm. dropping it don't even matter bro for for context the original story and i guess this is just a f- funny tidbit the original story was still very much derived off of the the original script that he gave me back in 2016 uh the characters uh and if you scroll back on his ig for all the the original pictures of Dark Vulcan with uh, Kamau, Ian, Nia, and Zay, those were the ones that we were originally promoting back then because that's where the story was going to start. And I just couldn't get an understanding of the Vulcan origin without Kamau having his guardians, Leon and Klaus. That's where it, that's why I, I referenced 
I had to go back to how Dark Vulcan originally was was when we were kids, and it felt more natural to write that story versus the way that it was at the time. And it it was easier to kind of let the ideas flow. And and also, I I, I was looking up a whole bunch of writing tips, and it was just like you need your first draft's gonna suck, your your second draft is going to be better but that's still not the one you're going to have to rewrite that script a couple of times and i looked at that script and i was trying to force a an event to happen that the more i kept looking at it it wasn't going to fit and when i took it out i was like now that this event isn't here none of it makes sense anyway and i was just like like i just i gotta scrap the whole thing i had to but I don't regret the decision. I regret that all of that art was wasted technically, but I think this was this was just the way that it needed to go. And I don't regret it because having someone to keep you accountable and keep you out of your uh, anxiety fits when it comes to releasing stuff like this is just is is priceless. Because I, if it was just me, bro, y'all would still be waiting. <laughs> I, I, I think just, that's important, bro. Um, one, maybe y'all just you know do some 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 subscription. Uh, what word am I trying to say? Subscription content down the line, like a Patreon or something, and then blooper. Uh, you know, artwork that got wasted, so to speak. Maybe you drop that then. Like these was original, you know, shots from chapter one. This is what y'all could have had, but this is what y'all got. Um, and then two, it's dope that you both have those personalities to kind of keep each other anchored and find that middle ground. Um, you know, you need the person that's just like, fuck it, we're going to drop it. But you also need the person that's going to pay attention to the details and be like, all right, well, let's work on X, Y, Z and let's do this first before we drop it. And, you know, that middle ground comes out being a good space for the series, for, you know, the company to be as a whole so that you guys can move forward with some sense of, uh urgency but at the same time stability um yeah. last thing i want to say before we start to wrap this up is uh or i want to know you guys dropped issue one 9 11 uh since that point that was what 17 days ago at the time of this recording you guys have 372 views on your story which i think is really good to have on a brand new story in two weeks um i have seen much worse uh, uh, grand opening series drop developments. So I think 372 views is really good. I think that you guys have a, a nice foundation. What's up next? Are we getting issue, issues two and three and four? Do you guys plan on being monthly? Is it going to be like a quarterly thing? Uh, how does that look for your fans that uh, subscribe and want to become a part of the Dark Vulcan community? Oh, well, right now, chapter two, well, to give context, ch chapter two, three, and four are drawn out. I just need to go in and, you know, put my special sauce on there or whatever. And we plan to, chapter two, we plan to release on um, October 15th. Granted, no, no setbacks with me changing diapers one night and falling asleep. But, like, chapter, we want to be able to get all all four chapters done hopefully by the end of this year and be able to go ahead and start you know working on chapter two um i mean not chapter two uh volume two um you know starting at the beginning of the year 
because we want to at least have the volume done by the time we uh, head to um, uh, DreamCon next year. And then hopefully we can squeeze out another book before July. But um, we plan on moving a little bit faster. A lot of the the stuff that held us back, well, well me back with the artwork was just, you know, trying to find the right times to, you know, to work between, you know, personal stuff that's going on. But um, I found the right groove and everything's really moving a lot faster. But um, those things are already done chapters, you know, two, three and four. It's like really like laid out. So it's not it shouldn't take long, but definitely chapter two is supposed to be a, a next month drop. And then hopefully we can get um, three and four done as well, because what's happening in those those three chapters is just dope. And I love the way he wrote it. So hopefully I can really express it visually the way he wrote it. And to chime in on that, uh, the the way that I wrote issue one versus the way that I wrote two through four yeah. uh, for the first volume is completely different. Um, I wrote issue one in a way that I never knew, in, in a way that I wasn't familiar writing. I wrote it like uh, like an actual like an actual comic script used in um, publications like DC and Marvel. And I just couldn't vibe with it. It it was slow for me. I couldn't like get my thoughts out properly. I was worrying so much about formatting. So a lot of that, it was just too slow. And so I just found a like a media, like a middle ground with that workflow to kind of speed it up and figure out what works for him. So two through four will probably have a much different like uh, writing vibe, and it will definitely have a di a different uh, art vibe uh, as far as the, uh, tracking the panels, the panel work. I've already seen the the panel skips finished already. Those things are priceless. I'm I'm loving the way that it's starting. So the workflow is is getting is getting quicker. So yeah, we we're shooting for October fifteenth, uh, albeit no delays. And uh, we should be speeding up production as we as we keep going on. But um, <clears throat> for anybody out there that's interested in the series, you guys can check out, like we said, uh, issue one that's already up on Webtoon. The link will be in our show notes, and you can also find it on the Twitter pages. And uh, just be on the lookout for two, three, and four. Looks like we're going to get them quite consistently. So that's always a good thing because if you guys really enjoy the content, um, you, I mean, you want your you want your crack when you want it, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's all I have for this episode. Um, unless you guys got some last minute things you want to say or anything you want to promote, uh, I'm going to let you, you say your Twitter again and anything else you got to say. Uh, just, just a thank you, just a, just a thank you to everybody who's been uh, engaged with us, uh, supporting us, people talking about it. Uh, that's off social, just things, things I wasn't aware going on. I, I appreciate everybody who's just kind of been, uh, just even interested in Dark Oak, and it's been a, a, a the, the real like, brain baby project for us, and um, just being able to do this and have supporters who want to see it done. Uh, just as much as we do, it, it's it's a priceless feeling, and I and uh, I love and appreciate everybody for for all that support. Yeah, I'm gonna echo pretty much the same thing King has said, and we appreciate you and inviting us on the pod as well. Absolutely. And I think 
you know, the the love and support we've got is like really, you know, at times it's gotten overwhelming to where we just couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't personally fathom. And I was like, well, this has gone a lot better than I thought because I was expecting my dad to buy the book and that was it. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, we just received so much love on the timeline. Twitter's been showing out. So, um, that's been amazing. And I mean, if, and, and folks can want to, uh, the physical book, they can get it on Amazon as well. Um, just search Doc Woken on their books or whatever. And then, and then oh. my socials opt OPT one MST optimist on, um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and, um, uh, TikTok. We got to ramp up that TikTok though. But yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last thing, uh, last thing I did want to mention, um, because I just want to make sure everybody's aware for anybody who did purchase the physical book on Amazon. Um, not saying it's, it's a, that it's an issue if you didn't, but I, uh, I, I do have something in the works uh, as a special like uh, gift for uh, some of the people who did um, purchase the physical book. Um, it's just about done. I uh, have a few other things that need to be done before I can reveal exactly what it is, but it is basically a thank you gift for free uh, for any of the people who did buy the book. So if you have a, a screenshot or a receipt of you buying the physical book, keep that because uh, we you will be hearing about it uh, within the coming weeks. And they take care of their fucking fans. You love to see it. Uh, for speaking of the fans we got to take care of uh, shout out once again to our patrons um, shout out to all the fans that listen to the podcast every week we love you guys without you guys we you know wouldn't be able to put on the podcast consistently or as consistently as we are able to and uh, you do make the experience all the better being able to talk with you and have these conversations based on what we speak about on the podcast and on the timeline uh, makes my day, and so I'm grateful to have you. Uh, I do want to say shout out to Kadeem, shout out to Keenan for coming on the podcast and speaking with us. Uh, and excuse me, shout out to you guys for coming on the podcast and speaking with us. So, really speaking with me, I'm saying us, but I'm the only one on this episode right now. Uh, so shout out to y'all for coming and speaking with me. I'm wishing you guys nothing but uh, grace and growth with your series. with uh, Serbius with everything that you do going forward and I hope to see you guys at the top doing big things in a couple years so uh, just blessings all around uh, to everyone listen thank you thank you thank you to everyone listening to this episode if you have not got a chance check out the last episode that we dropped uh, to eat or not to eat with DD Zumaki that is episode we speak about voice acting and check out the episode before that most definitely uh, the Art of Storytelling with Concept Moon. We discussed their series After Image, which has dropped on October 1st. So if you guys are into uh, Black indie comics, after you get done checking out <clears throat> Black Vulcan, definitely, I'm, I'm sorry, Dark Vulcan, definitely go check out Concept Moon and After Image and make that happen. Uh, last thing, make sure you check out our Patreon Toxic Boys series and make sure you check out The Lost Tapes. Everybody else, like, subscribe, follow us, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know you thought of the episode. Uh, let us know if you fucking with our opinions and what we got to say. Uh, let us know if you hate everything that come out of our mouths. I'm taking all the criticisms. What's up? 
And that is it for this episode of Worst Jam Pod. Until next time, we out. Thank you.